Sal Berry. But you're forgetting about Puck Attacks. Puck Attacks! Yeah, I think we're all forgetting about that. And Tim Parrish. If I was any better, I'd be twins. The Sedin twins or the Sutter twins? Neither or. They both have millions of dollars. We're going into ridiculousness over here. Going off the rails. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Puck Junk Podcast, now on iTunes and on Stitcher, which is good because hopefully this will make it easier for everybody to listen to our show. For those of you who have been listening to our show, thank you. Um, You know, obviously you could go to puckjunk.com and listen to the show, or you could go to soundcloud.com slash puck-junk to listen to the show, but now it's a little bit easier if you use iTunes or if you use Stitcher, you can go to either of those platforms and do whatever you do to subscribe to the podcast. Um, I'm also working on getting the uh, podcast on a few other platforms, so stay tuned for that. Tim, what do you use? You usually use iTunes? Um, Yeah, because I still have the old uh, iTunes player on my... um desktop computer so when i'm working i have it playing in the background and it's all the subscribed podcast yeah I, I <laughs> including still... ours now yeah i know that's pretty awesome right i mean it was it was pretty cool because i i kind of went back and forth with apple it took me three tries because the first try they just rejected it but they didn't say why and then i emailed them like two weeks later and they're like oh yeah there were problems with your rss feed and i'm like oh okay i know what an rss feed is because i'm a web guy but I don't know a lot about it. So I had to do a little bit of research and then I resubmitted it and then nothing happened. And then they said, oh, it got deleted. It's like, well, I didn't delete it. But then I submitted it like the third time and like a day and a half later, it was it was on iTunes. So third time's a charm. Third time's a charm. I feel so 2012 right now saying that, you know, find us on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts, as it's now called. Well, the good thing about it is the uh, a lot of the... Um, a lot of the podcast feeder type programs pull from iTunes. So a lot of people doing searching and stuff like that. All I'll have to do now is just type in puck junk and there we are. That is awesome. So I want to talk um, about the uh, ever going, uh, I'm going to start calling it the tops now sticker saga because it's called tops now, but it should really be called tops when, because I still haven't gotten my first shipment of stickers. Really? Uh, Yeah. So we're currently on, uh, Week five uh, on Thursday, November 7th, uh, you know, towards the end of the day, they'll actually start selling the week six stickers on Wednesday, November 6th, around eight o'clock p.m. I got an email saying you got a shipment from Tops that is being sent, but it didn't say when I was getting it. It didn't say when it was mailed. It just said we received shipping information. It was basically FedEx just sending me the the heads up. So I'm assuming that's the week one stickers and the book. Um, as far as like uh, last week, so week four. So here's something interesting. Week four for Tops Now sold 770 packs. Now week three was when they had the Capo Caco Bowman Chase sticker. Right. And that week they sold 1440 packs and then a week later no chase sticker they're down to 770 packs so from what i understand now they're going to do a chase sticker every three weeks will be a chase sticker and then if you buy 
between week one and the all-star game, then you get like an all-star sticker set. And if you buy between the all-star game and the Stanley cup finals, then you'll get a Stanley cup finals sticker set, like as an incentive. But I guess like the chase insert that might happen one out of every three packs, that's only happening every third week. Um, I don't know why it, it seems like they're kind of making this up as they go along because it's just like, great week three, you're going to do retro inserts. Cool. And then like, they don't do it week four and then they don't do it week five. And then they're like, Oh yeah, well every three weeks we're doing it. Like that was like one of the bullet points of like the, the product features. So I guess people are like, well, I'm just not going to buy week five then we'll see. It'd be interesting to see if it dips from, 770 packs to less than that yeah because i mean obviously there has to be a there has to be a marketing plan right there had to be one in place but it sounds to me like this is one of those ones where they put something in place and then they reserve the right to change it at any time based off of how many get produced or how many not how many produce but how many people order purchase an order so, well, I think because they, they are thought, made to order, right? Right. I mean, they're only going to print as many as they actually get. But there was a big dip from week one to week two. So yeah. then during week three, it was like they were like, "Oh no, what do we do to stimulate sales? Hey, let's do a chase sticker. Let's uh, let's do it in an old card design." Okay. So then it shot up. So then you would think for week four they'd say, "Yeah, we should keep doing this chase sticker," and they didn't. And then so then it went from. 1400 sales to just under 800 sales so yeah just i wonder about that but you know i do want to say real quick so the checklist for week four which was 770 packs uh andrew vasilevsky tony d'angelo nick letty brian little patrice bergeron elias Pettersson, kale mccarr andre svechnikov and alex ovechkin and then week five which will be available until 4 p.m p.m central time on Thursday, uh, November 7th, the checklist for that is Jonathan Herbido, Matthew Kachuk, Connor Hellebuck, uh, Adam Boquist, Zdeno Chara, uh, John Mari- Marino, and then the last three they haven't. John used. Marino? Yeah. I. You should get a dupe of that and give it to me. Why? What's his deal? John Marino was, uh, um, he's, on the, he's on the Penguins roster. He got called up with all the injuries, and he's been doing... Uh, He's been playing pretty decent. He got his first goal the other night against the Bruins. Nice. And he's he's from Boston. He's a Harvard guy. Oh wow, cool. That's that's yeah. gotta be that's gotta be fun. Um, yeah, I'm actually. You know what I've been doing? Funny that you say that. Um, I'm actually been doing a little bit of wait and see. Whereas, like the first week for Tops Now stickers, I ordered those right away. The second week, I ordered those right away. The third week, I ordered. Once they announced the Chase sticker, which I actually think they announced that right away, I ordered. And then, like, week four, I kind of waited till almost the end because, you know, every couple of days they'll they'll unveil a, another sticker or two. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if, yeah. like, if it's, like, if, like, week six is, like, Jonathan Tave, Sidney Crosby, Patrick Kane, Carter Hutton, Alex Ovechkin, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to buy a couple of those packs. Cause those are all guys that I collect, you know what I right. mean? And if, and if it's like Kale McCarr and uh, Zidano, I like Zidano Chara, but you know what I mean? I wouldn't necessarily want like a duplicate of that sticker. So I go I, after it, Kale McCarr. 
Oh, well, yeah, he's a dude, penguin. Dude, no, Kale McCarr's uh, on the uh, Avalanche. I'm sorry. He's sorry. a rookie on the Avalanche. He's tearing it up. Oh, sorry. I was thinking of the rookie you were talking about, the yeah, John Marino. John Marino. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Kale McCarr. Um, Kale McCarr. I. I picked him at the beginning of the season before, well, before the season started to win rookie of the year. I'm oh, still yeah? sticking to that. Yeah. Nice. We'll have to, we'll have to come back to that. Um, so the other thing is, is that, um, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, they got to start shipping these stickers and they, they, they're finally sending me something. I don't know how long it's going to take because I selected the free option, uh, you know, cause I'm not going to pay $10 to ship $8 worth of stickers. Not every week anyway. Um, but I think that's another thing that like, I almost think that like they, they really needed to get that first book or that first pack of stickers out right away to get people into it. And they just didn't do it. You know, like it was kind of like if you got the, the stickers at the beginning of week three, then you'd be like, Oh, these are cool. You know? And then you'd want to, or, you know what I mean? You'd want to keep ordering, you know what I mean? You get them in your hands, but I think, I think after the first couple of weeks, I think people are like, eh, I still haven't gotten anything. And I've already spent like 30, $40 and I don't have anything to show for it. That could be too. It's all about the immediacy. Yeah. Um, so speaking of immediacy, another one though, is uh, that, that came out, uh, we have the game dated moments for week four, uh, card number 11, Kirby doc, Scores his first NHL goal. Card number 12. Um, Patrick Marlowe skates his 1500 regular season game with the Sharks. Card number 13. Jets defeat Flames in the 2019 Heritage Classics. Uh, classic. These are available from Upper Deck via UpperDeckEPAC.com. $3.99 each with the purchase of any EPAC card. Um, I am tempted to get the Kirby Doc card, but then again, I might kind of wait and see like how you've been doing it all along and just see what shows up on epac in a couple of months and you know maybe kirby doc might hold his value i mean he's a he's a hot rookie hot prospect coming up i know we talked about him a little bit the um couple mm-hmm. shows ago i think because he was making his debut and uh i heard him on the uh spit and chicklets podcast they interviewed him the other the other episode and uh mm-hmm. he's he seems like a very wanting to be a personality type kid which was very refreshing to hear like but i mean everybody opens up on their show for the most part right because that's how they are um but i mean even Sidney crosby opened up on their show a little bit but really just yeah but just listening to to kirby talk it was uh it was it was kind of nice to hear a guy just you know just say what was on his mind that you know, that is awesome. not the typical pucks in deep talk Pucks in deep, 110%. That's right. Yeah, giving it all we got, Captain. Um, also uh, worth noting is that uh, Thursday, November 7th is the release date of Upper Deck Series 1 Hockey. Uh, glad to say that they haven't messed with the amount of packs per box or the amount of cards per pack. So it is 24 packs per box. It's eight cards per pack. Uh, retail boxes right now are pre-selling for around $60. Hobby boxes are pre-selling for about $80. You get six Young Gun rookie cards per box, per either box. Uh, but the other inserts obviously become a lot harder if you buy the retail boxes versus the hobby boxes. Now, we'll definitely talk more about Upper Deck Series 1 once we 
have some of the cards in our hands and can actually look at them and, you know, talk, talk a little more about them. But obviously I'm going to, I'm going to collect that set this year. I'm sure you're going to collect it too. Of course. Um, Why break tradition of sets I'll never complete? Yeah. Well, you know, it took me a while, but I did complete my 0708 set. I want to say it was like last year I completed it. Took me a man, but it's about ten years. I want to know this is seventeen eighteen season because I remember it was ten years. Took me ten years to complete the O seven O eight set. No wait, I'm sorry. No, yeah, the O seven O eight set, and I believe I have the whole O six O seven set. But then after that, it kind of like falls apart. You know, yeah. The closest, the closest upper deck flagship set that I'm that I'm close on, believe it or not, is the O five O six set. Yeah, because you got the Ovechkin. Yeah. Um. I'm only missing four cards out of that set. Ovechkin, Crosby. I've got Lund- the Ovechkin. Oh, sorry. Crosby, yeah. Lundquist. That's two. Uh, I'm going to guess. Um, let me see. From that year, Ovech- or sorry, Crosby, Lundquist, Phaneuf. Phaneuf, that's three. Wow. Okay. Um, One more. Keith. No, not Duncan Keith. Um. Is it a good player? Yeah. In fact, he just got he just recorded his one thousandth game. Oh man, I should know this. Plays on the West Coast. Oh, uh well no, not Kopitar. No, Kopitar's no. close to his nine hundredth point. Um he's on the West Coast, one thousandth game. Oh. Um come on. He's a very polarizing player. You either love him or hate him. Well, okay. But Brad Marchand doesn't play on the West Coast. <laughs> very true. And uh, Milan Lucic. Lucic, he doesn't... Uh... All right, you give up, I'm going to tell you. Yeah, it's I Ryan, give up. Ryan Getzloff. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, just, play, just played a thousandth game for the... Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's in the 0506 yep. uh, set. Yeah, you know, it's Those funny. are the four I, I'm missing. <clears throat> I probably have... I don't have Crosby. I don't have Ovechkin. I do have Lundqvist. I'm pretty sure I have Getzlaff. Uh, I know I have Phaneuf. I had Seabrook, but then, you know, I got it autographed. So now I want to get another one that's not autographed because one time I was going to get something signed by Brent Seabrook. And I'm like, well, might as well bring his young gun because that's like the best card to get signed, you know, in my opinion. And I have a lot of other Blackhawk young, gu- young guns cards signed nicely so in blue sharpie marker you know when you can meet the player and get them to sign it exactly in what color you want to sign it so i got like bufflin and burrish and um trying to think uh a couple uh i don't know if i got crawford i don't think he had a i don't think he had a young gun that year um crawford was early i think he he had uh he had oh five oh six sets he's in the parker's set I thought his rookie was earlier than that, though. But anyway. Now he's drafted earlier, but he never had a card. No, yeah. So, um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, um, pretty, pretty interesting. Um, and I'm still kicking myself. Maybe in 2008 or nine, I could have bought a Crosby Young Gun for a hundred bucks, and I passed on it. Yeah. And that was at the time when it was like, it was like a 75 to like 100 and 
$50 card. Like it was like right around, or it was like 75 to 125. And I thought a hundred was a little high. And I was just like, ah, I'll just find, find one on eBay for 70 bucks. And I never did. And then, cause I probably forgot about it or didn't think about it or just figured, eh, you know, it's, yeah, it's Crosby. How good could the guy be? <laughs> well, I mean, this was probably after he won his first cup. So I should have probably pounced on it then. Um, I know that like uh, my aunt and I, we bought a bunch of Mario Lemieux rookie cards when he had that, um, maybe when he was going through his back injury, because all of a sudden the price on those were plummeting and we were just buying them because we both liked Lemieux and we're just like, well, we know that he's probably going to come back and he's probably going to be awesome. And we were right, you know? So, I mean, at the time and, you know, this was pre-internet days. So getting, OPG uh, Lemieux rookies for like a hundred or less at the time was pretty good. Yeah. I'd say. Um, you know, and I think now they're probably worth a little more than that, but the, you know, as we know, the internet brought the price down. So, you know, what was once a $400 card is maybe not always a $400 card unless it's graded. Then that's another thing altogether. It is. Um, so, um, Let's see. Uh, a little later, we're going to talk with uh, Chris Carlin from Upper Deck about the Upper Deck Singles Day promotion, which is uh, coming up Sunday, November 10th. He'll give us all the details about that, like what Singles Day is and what you can expect and how you can well, participate in their uh, bounty program. Singles Day is actually the 11th, 1111. Yes, it is 1111, but the pack giveaway will be on 1110, and he'll talk more about why that is um you know another thing that uh, that just happened recently was the um the two winter classic teams the national predators and the dallas stars unveiled their uh winter classic jerseys they sure did for their january one game so um of course i got things to say but what do you, what do you think um well if if you know, you've obviously looked at them they're <clears throat> They've, they've these outdoor games always traditionally come up with some kind of jersey that's supposed to be heritage based and some kind of throwback. Um, for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what in the world Nashville's um, was modeled after, so I had to look it up. Oh, um, okay. So now I can't now I can't impress you with knowing the answer because I also yeah, looked it up. Yeah, I had to figure out what the heck that was. Um, the Dallas, I like the Dallas one better than the Nashville one. Let's well, why don't you way. tell? Why don't you tell them what the Nashville one is uh, based on? Well, essentially, it's a throwback to the 1960s Dixie Flyers, um, and so if you look at the jersey, it's got um, two solid stripes, and in between the stripes, it's written out in a script, um, Nashville. Mm-hmm. And, um, the old Dix, I guess the old Dixie Flyers jersey. I think the colors were switched on it, but it's mm-hmm. it was it was basically designed the same way with the script of the Dixie Flyers written out across it. So that's kind of the throwback because I was thinking, okay, Nashville, what what hockey team was in Nashville or anywhere near there? And so that turned out to be be what it was. So yeah, and then. Um... I wasn't really excited about that jersey. Like, yeah, I wasn't excited I, about the look of it. And then yeah. I'm like thinking, what were they? Ba- yeah, what did they base it on? So then yeah. I started digging, and 
Yeah, the Dixie Flyers, an Eastern Hockey League team that played in Nashville from 1962 to 1971. So they're going way back there. Yeah, it didn't do anything for me either. I mean, it's kind of cool. I'm sure they'll sell tons and tons and tons of them, not only in Nashville market, but all around. And it's all the country music people that pretend to like hockey. So, mm-hmm. And then the Dallas jersey. The Dallas jerseys I liked. Um, they're that, uh, what do they call it? The Kelly green? Is that what it is? that color is? Uh, uh, I don't know. They a had a different name for it. Different, different name. Well, whatever. They're all, they're all green, but um, the big D right in the, right in the middle was mm-hmm. kind of cool with the star and the Texas star in the center. So I kind of like those a little, a little more. They were a lot more um, eye appealing, at least mm-hmm. to me, but those were throwbacks too. Um, what was that? The uh, Dallas Texans. Yes. I think. Was that yes. one? Yeah. So I didn't actually see what a real Dallas Texas jersey looked like to tell if so they were that close or not. They call it Victory Green. Victory Green. That's it. Victory Green. Yeah. So oh. as far as what the Dallas, uh, sorry, the Dallas Texans looked like, um, if I got that right. Uh, yeah, the Dallas Texans. So these are kind of based on the Dallas Texans, a team that played in the American Hockey Association in 1941-42, and then again in the old United States Hockey League from 1945 to 1951. Now, they don't actually mention the Texans, but on their site, they say, uh, what do they say here? Uh, the Jersey's retro look celebrates Texas hockey history and the rich heritage that preceded the Dallas Stars franchise, which is pretty vague. And then they show two pictures of these teams and they're Dallas Texans. And basically it's a big D with the word Texans written in the D kind of like what they did for the Dallas stars logo. Um, I I think I want to like the logo a little bit more now that I know that, but I'm going to tell you that I'm going to bet that like 80% of people in Texas are not going to know that and probably not going to care. And that's okay. Um, it's kind of funny. Like when you have a team like the Blackhawks, they've been around for such a long time. They have so much to pull from. And like, if they, if they do a winter classic or a heritage classic or a, um, stadium series Jersey that doesn't pull from something from like the past 80, 90 years, it's going to upset fans. But when you're a team like the Nashville predators, you don't, I mean, yeah, you got 20 years of history, but come on. Nobody's going to be like, oh, yay, they pulled out the jerseys from 1999, right? I mean, those were pretty terrible. So it's funny what these other teams can do. They kind of like have more more room for creativity. And I kind of almost wish that they tried to make like a Dallas, like make it their own thing instead of basing it on this hockey team that played in the 40s. Right. Well, and you also have to remember that's a transplant too. So, I mean, that's the Minnesota North Stars moving to Dallas. Yeah, so. but whenever, but whenever the uh, what's actually kind of cool is like uh, a couple of years ago when they had the stadium series between the Blackhawks and the Wild, and they did the alumni game. The alumni were wearing North Stars uh, jerseys, like like their retro, their um, 
their alumni because most of those guys were like North Stars, you know, when you had like Dino Cicerelli and like Don Beaupre out there, they didn't play for the Wild. So I thought that was well, kind and of it cool. ma- that makes more sense because that's a Minnesota team and Minnesota is, you know, I mean, that's that's Hockeyville, USA right there. Right. So, but you take the North Stars and you move them to Texas, you can hardly call them the North Stars anymore. Hence the name the Stars, which matches with Texas being the Lone Star State. So that kind of fell into place in a nice, nice little package with a bow on top. But you're right. There's not the historical aspect of it. And even if you do consider them, okay, let's say there's the Minnesota North Stars. Again, you're talking about a, compared to the original six or even, you know, it, it's still an expansion team, mm-hmm. at least from the first set of expansion. Yeah. So they don't have as big of a history. So here's a little bit of history for you, a little bit of history slash trivia. So the Chicago Blackhawks actually used to have their farm team in Dallas in the 70s. You know what that team was called? Uh, no, no idea. The the Dallas Blackhawks. Oh, they just flat out called them the Blackhawks. And the Minnesota North Stars used to have their team, their farm team in Dallas for a while. And you know what the team was called then? The, the Dallas Blackhawks. <laughs> the Dallas South Stars. Ah, see. Seriously. I I yeah, the it. South Stars. I, I I don't I don't I don't get it. But okay, yeah. So South Stars. Obviously they're not huh. gonna use the um they're not gonna use the Dallas Blackhawks uh sure. history or trivia or tri- not trivia, um logo or, 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 or any of that history or stuff like that. <laughs> um well, so, I mean, from an aesthetic standpoint, I if I was to choose one or the other, I would pick the Dallas jersey over. The I would too. One. I like that. Yeah. I kind of wish they just went with the big D, and then maybe people would think, "Oh, that's too much like Detroit," or like maybe a D with a star in it, and not get. I just feel like there's just too much. Like they're trying to harken back to a team that nobody remembers. And then you know the other thing I want to point out is that I like I like that green. I actually like. When they change to that victory green, I like the fact that they use a bright color like that. That's like the old North Stars green. What I don't like are the tan colored pants. Like you didn't like that. If you're gonna do, if you're gonna do like the off white and like the brown gloves, then you need to go all out and you need to go with like a really old time look. Nobody in the 30s was well. Actually, I wasn't around in the 30s, so I don't know. But I'm gonna bet. Everything was black and white back then. Yeah, everything was black and white back then, right? Or or just beige, right? I mean, yeah. you look at like all those, think of like sepia all of, color. Well, think about, okay, but even think of like the old trading cards at the time. Like, even though they were paintings, they were painted from photographs and they were using, you know, references, you know, they would use the colors of the jerseys at that time. They wouldn't yeah. just be like, oh, I'm going to give this guy a pink jersey because I can. They would be like, you know, it's a maple leaf and he's wearing a white jersey with blue trim. So that's what we're going to paint this Parkhurst card to look like or this, uh, you know, um, this uh, old school uh, cigarette card to look like. So, yeah, I just felt like it was it, it was like a little too much. And I felt I felt like they could have like made it feel a little more traditional or a little less busy and maybe not did the tan pants. I'm never a fan of that. Looks like a giant diaper. <laughs> yeah, I, I 
I guess I could see that, especially the with kings, all the padding and everything. Remember the Kings when they wore the white pants uh, many years ago for, for a stadium series game? Yes. Yeah, those, those weren't really nice, were they? They kind of looked a little... Uh, I suppose not. I don't know. I mean, I think just like, and I'm trying to remember. Was Maybe the if they maple, put a stripe down the side. Was yeah, it the Maple it. Leafs that did the, the all white, the white jersey, the white pants, the white socks? Yeah. Maple yeah. Leafs had that. That was cool. That was cool. That I'm going to actually pull that up. But that was, um, let's see here. That to me was a nice looking, I can't figure out what year it was, but that was a nice, um, that was a nice winter classic or stadium, excuse me, stadium series or heritage classic Jersey. I, I didn't mind that. You know, I thought that looked kind of neat, but um, yeah, I think if you're doing like really bright green, that's like modern. And then like these tan pants that are like supposed to look like from they're from the thirties. It, it, it seemed too much of a mismatch. Does that make sense? Yeah. I got what you're saying. Like if they went with like a dark green, like a, like a, like it, I don't know, just something that felt like it would be more vintage. Then I could see like the brown and the tans going with that really well. I I, I hear I got what you're throwing down. I know I'm such a Jersey critic now, I'm, right? I'm definitely not a fashion guru, so I don't, uh, I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, you know, I mean, most where are they where are they playing this at? Is it the Cotton Bowl? Is that uh, going to be? Sounds about right. What is it? What does this Dallas Stars say? Uh, Winter Classic, Cotton Bowl Stadium in Dallas. Yeah. That'll yeah. be interesting to see how the weather is at that point in time. I love the Winter Classic. I I really do. You it's don't always think the outdoor games are played out. Oh, totally. But I'll tell you, New Year's Eve I usually go out, and then New Year's Day I like to roll out of bed around ten or eleven and heat up some leftovers and uh watch hockey you know i just love it you know it's it's i'm cool with it it's it's fun i i hear you there so um changing gears here um our big topic for today was something that tim brought up a while back when we were like uh, pitching ideas back and forth for for podcasts and one question he asked was do you buy in-person autographs on the secondary market? And I think that is a really great question because 30 years ago, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Nowadays, I think a lot of collectors probably don't because there's so much um, certified autographs, whether it is going to... um, you know, buying buying a box of cards and getting an autograph or going on eBay and saying, hey, I really like Sidney Crosby. I'll pay money, a lot of money for this Sidney Crosby card that is, you know, from an upper deck set. You know, maybe not his rookie year card, but um, there are ways to get cards like that. Or if you like collect, say, like Connor McDavid and you want his autograph, you could go to Upper Deck's website and you could buy like an 8x10 signed by Connor McDavid or 16 by 20 or a jersey or a puck, right? Um or if you wanted to sign Connor McDavid card, you could, again, Upper Deck would have that, um, you know, from one of their recent releases, and you could find that online. So there are ways to get certified autographs where you'll buy it and just know, hey, I, 
this autograph is legit, as far as you know, because the person who's selling it is staking their reputation on it. An in-person autograph, though, is a different story. I mean, uh, I was always told, if you want to guarantee the authenticity of an autograph, get it yourself. Which makes perfect sense, because obviously you're there. But I guess where the question comes in is, if you weren't there, but yet somebody else is asserting the fact that they were, because there are dozens and dozens of sellers that are out there online that are attesting to the fact that they get all of their autographs in person at various events one way or another. And my, my thing has always been, you know, I look at it two different ways. How many people actually trust what they're getting online? Mm-hmm. And two, is there a big difference between what hockey collectors are willing to put up with versus what maybe other sport collectors are willing to put up with as far as what their tolerance for, purchasing something like that i guess and that that's kind of that's kind of what i was getting at with with that idea cuz i mean here's the thing we all know this everybody that's in the hobby whether you collect hockey cards basketball cards football baseball whatever pokemon garbage pail kids it doesn't matter there is massive 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 amounts of fraud out there it's with exposed garbage pail kids with everything. I mean, with so everything. This, this card of Adam Bomb is not really signed by Adam Bomb. I, I mind I will, blown. I will guarantee you that you will find forged series one and series two original garbage pail kids. I bet you you will find them. Um, but anyway, that's a different story. I'm just saying there there's so much fraud out there and it's exposed all the time. I mean, even NBC News did a story like back in March about um somebody selling a fake Trump autograph um online and it was uh I guess during during some kind of campaign or whatever, Trump shows up somewhere and people are handing him stuff to sign, blah blah blah. Somebody handed him a Bible. And he supposedly signed this Bible, right? Mm -hmm. And so they were selling this and, you know, it was fake. And authenticators looked at this thing and they're like, yeah, it's fake. It's fake. It's fake. It's fake. The person selling it basically told NBC to, you know, screw off and not to contact them ever again or they were going to get their lawyers involved and threaten to to sue them Mm -hmm. uh, for harassment or whatever. But, I mean... Even PSA, who's embroiled in a questionable thing right now, even the PSA officials came out during that that whole expose that NBC did and said that, in their minds, over 50% of all autographs on eBay right now are fake. Yet, eBay does nothing about it. You know why? Because they make money off of this stuff. So even though they say you can't sell fraudulent things, there's nobody going through every single auction of everything somebody's trying to sign or, or sell, sell that's signed by something or by someone going, oh, is this real? Nope. Is this real? Nope. Is this real? No, there isn't. Because eBay makes money off of all of this stuff and they don't care unless somebody brings it up. If nobody brings it up, they're not going to check. 
So it's like the common card collector that goes out there and is looking for, you know, I don't know. You brought up Corey Crawford earlier. So let's yep. talk about Corey Crawford. He's not a super, I wouldn't consider him to be a, you know, superstar by any means, but he's, he's a regional star. And I would even say to hockey fans, he's sort of a star. Plus he's big in the goalie community because there's a lot of people that collect goalies. Mm -hmm. Well, somebody goes out there looking for a Corey Crawford autograph, find somebody that might be selling one. It's not, it's signed and they, they say, Oh, well, this is, we got this in person. Okay. How do we know? Well, what are they going to provide you? Are they going to provide you, you know, like, Certificate of authenticity. How many dealers out there say, "Oh, pfft, certificate of authenticity"? Oh, that's not that's not worth the paper it's printed on. Right. I've heard I've heard that hundreds of times. So okay, if 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 that's not worth anything, so what do you go with? Do they give you a guarantee? Hey, is this going to guarantee to be authenticated? And if it isn't, are you going to give me my money back? I don't know. I doubt that many dealers are going to do that, especially the unscrupulous ones. Maybe the ones that are reputable, but there's so much of it out there. It's like, it, it, that's why I, I really question, is it even worth it to test the waters unless you absolutely know that the person you're buying from is trustworthy? So that's a good question. Um, and I was thinking, like, so if I'm going to buy something autographed, so there's there's a few things. Something like an 8x10, I can get that signed by a player. Like, I guess it, 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 uh, it depends. Well, the first thing I ask myself is, who is selling the autograph? Like, do I know the seller? Uh, whose autograph is it of? How much is it? And what do I know about that player? So uh, just give you like some examples here. Like um, when I got really back into collecting around 2006 and I was working a good job and I was going to shows and I was like really back into collecting. So there was one seller that I'd always see at the, the card show out in Rosemont and they have like 10 tables full of books, full of signed eight by tens. That's all they sell is signed stuff. And I would look at their books and I'd say, I really want that player's autograph. And they'd have the, they'd have tons of signed photos by all, all the players, like many players. Right. And so sometimes what I do is I look at autographs of players that I've met and gotten signatures from. And if it looks what I think it should look like, then I go, okay, that kind of passes one test in my mind. Like I've seen Chris Chelios's autograph hundreds of times. I've even seen Wayne Gretzky's autograph enough times that I would look at it and go, yeah, that looks right to me. Um, I think that, um, so for, from, from that dealer in particular, all they sold were autographs and they had tons of it. So I had a lot of faith in them because that was their business. And if something, if, uh, if they were selling fraudulent stuff that would kill their business versus like, the person who's like, hey, I got this puck signed by Wayne Gretzky. Do you want, you know what I mean, for sale? And, well, how'd you get it? Oh, well, a friend gave it to me, right? And then it doesn't seem like then you already have some questions. Does, does that make sense, though? Like, who the oh, seller it makes, is? It makes perfect sense because yeah. you have to establish that. And just like with anything else, you're not going to buy something from someone, autograph or otherwise, that you don't trust. You right. Know? And so, and, I mean, that's important. So, um, 
so that was like one example. And then like having gone to shows for years, I know a lot of this, I see a lot of the same dealers and I know a lot of them. And so like, I'll say, oh, when did you get this signed? And they'll say, oh, at blah, 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 back in whenever. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember, you know, like, I remember that. Yeah. Like there used to be this thing called the Chicago hockey show. So I just said to him, I'm like, oh, that's cool. When did you get all these autographs on it? It's like, oh, I got it back at the Chicago hockey show in 91. I'm go, oh yeah, I remember that, you know, or like, and I know these guys, you know, so if I buy like a signed puck from them or something, I'm not worried about it. Um, I know like one year I bought a Maurice Richard postcard that was signed in ballpoint pen. And I want to say I paid about $70 for it. This was a good 10 years after he had passed away. And I looked at it and I thought hard about it. And I knew this dealer I had seen him forever, so I didn't, eh, maybe been seeing him for like past five years at different shows and stuff. I had no question in my mind that it was authentic. It was a nice signature on an old black and white postcard, and I ended up buying it because I don't think I had anything signed by Rocket Richard. And I'm happy I bought that. Um, I mean, there's a certain amount of trust that you have. Um, I remember there was a great um, article. Let me, in- let me ask you before you go on from there. Yeah. Did you ever think or did the thought ever cross your mind or maybe you even had gotten that authenticated later on? I didn't really think about it. Okay. I was just like, it's. it's that's, fa- that's fair. That's perfectly fair. It's a postcard of somebody who's in the Hall of Fame, who at that point had been dead for more than 10 years. And. It seemed legit in like, let me give you like a, for instance, like, or not a, for instance, but this, this thing I was going to bring up the uh, onion newspaper many years ago when they still had a newspaper, not just a website, they had a joke about, um, about sports memorabilia and a lot of it being fake. And then one guy, like one guy's response was like, so you mean this aluminum bat signed in Sharpie marker by Babe Ruth isn't authentic? Oh, no. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, obviously, because they don't use aluminum bats and they didn't have aluminum bats back then. And also because uh, they didn't have Sharpie markers back then. But that's the thing. Like, if it kind of fits with the style of the time, does, uh, you know, it, does it seem right to you? Does it seem off to you? Right. So that, you see a lot of old, old older players would sign things in ballpoint pen. Um, so, you know, that was like one one example that I was thinking about. You know, like I remember another time I was at a show. You'll remember this was a couple of years ago. And some guy had like a Mario Lemieux signed card. And I, I asked him, I'm like, can I take a picture of this? He's like, sure. And I took a picture of it and I texted it to you. And I said, does this look legit to you? And you were like. I would, uh, I'd be very wary about that. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yes, because Le- Lemieux has a very distinct signature. Right. And it has varied at times, but generally it stays very similar. Now, obviously it depends on how he's signing. Like if you get him to sign something outside of a normal organized setting, it may appear a little slightly different, but the one you sent me, it looked, it was pretty rough. Yeah. And that can happen. I mean, I remember like when I used to see Dale Talon all the time in the eighties and nineties, when he was with the Blackhawks and then even in the two thousands, when he was with the, you know, as a GM, 
when he would sign something, he would do a very nice signature. But I remember one time I asked him to sign a puck and his handlers were like, Dale has to go. Dale has to go. Right. So like he took my marker and he he like he didn't take the puck like the puck was still in my hand. And he took the marker and he just kind of scribbled his name. It was like the most pathetic, sad autograph. I was so bummed out because it was a 1972 Team Canada puck that had his face in black and white, like a nice black and white picture. I brought a silver marker and he like scrawled this really terrible autograph that just looks like a D in a line. Whereas usually he would like turn a hockey card sideways so he could sign it like he'd sign it along the side. So not to or, or if it was like wherever he could fit the signature, but it would be a really nice full letter signature. And like I had another puck that was Dennis Hall from the Team Canada 72, and he signed it really gorgeously, right? So I was going to put those two together, but the Talon one is just really crummy looking. So I could see how somebody would look at that and say, that's not Dale Talon's autograph, where I'd say it is absolutely his autograph. I got it at the Chicago Blackhawk convention in 2008, and I was holding the puck, he was holding the marker, and he just kind of went, while his bodyguards or whatever was like, Mr. Talon has a meeting or whatever. But you have that story to go with. And yeah, and I'm not going to get rid of it. That's the key. I'm not going to sell the puck. That's not why I got it signed. Sure. I have this memory and, attached And that's to exactly it. it. Us that are collectors and we have these memories that go with things, those are great stories to tell. There's stories to tell each other, stories to chat about, You know, stories that we're having the conversation, tell our kids, pass it on from generation to generation, and that's really cool. But – where it goes from a really cool story to the dark side is when you go from here, I have this puck that's really cool in my collection to here. I have this puck. I got it signed. I'm going to try to make 50 bucks off of it. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's where it flips. Right. And, and that's it, that, that that's why we get into this thing is just, there's so there's so much gray area of, how do you know? And not everybody can be an autograph expert, but if you're going to go out there and you're going to buy something that's not authenticated, and even if it is authenticated, you got to look at who's authenticating. But if you're going to go out there and do that, you got to do your homework. I mean, you really do. Yeah. And like, like um, a couple of years ago, I was at a Blackhawk convention and I see, yeah, I see a lot of the same dealers there, and I see some of them at the show in Rosemont, and then I see some of them when the Blackhawks have their training f- camp fest. They'll have like a little mini convention in the lobby and stuff like that. And um, this guy uh, that I know knew, he had some things signed by Bobby Hall, and he had some things signed by Chris Chelios. They were trading cards, and I bought them, and they weren't a lot of money. He just had a lot of them, and he was just marking some of them down. So some of the Hull autographs are like $10. And I think he had a couple of Chelios autographs for $5 each. And I've gotten autographs from both of those guys so many times, or I've seen Hull's autograph so many times. I only got an in-person signature from him one time, but I've seen his autograph a million times. He autographs a lot of stuff. And Chelios, I mean, I don't know if he he autographs a bit. He does signings and stuff. Uh, He wasn't necessarily a tough autograph to get when he was with Chicago, um, but I know what his signature looks like. So I looked at that. I'm like, yep, that's Chelly's autograph, five bucks. Here you go. Right. Didn't even think about it. Wasn't even worried about it. He could have probably, maybe he could have forged it. Maybe he could have tried to forge it really well. But that was when I go back to my point of how much is it? Like, 
who the hell is going to waste their time forging a $5 autograph? Yeah. Right? So, uh, story, this is actually a, a, a secondhand story. When I was at the National this year, actually I got two National stories, but I'll tell you this first one. Um, I stopped at this table that was selling non-sports cards, lots of old cigarette and tobacco cards. I pull up a chair, I'm going through these books, it's this older couple, and I'm like, oh yeah, I buy non-sports cards. My girlfriend likes non-sports cards, and when I go to the National, I try to get her old tobacco cards and tea cards. So, of course, they just thought, oh, you're such a great boyfriend, because you're buying your girlfriend all these old cards from our table, all these like vintage 1930s birds of the world, or 1920s you know, player cigarettes, dogs of the USA or whatever. So they're telling me that the previous year, so in 2018, they were at the National and at the booth across from them was a dealer that was selling bootleg Michael Jordan autographs. And he was arrested at the show and they were laughing because they were like, come on, they had, he had so many basketballs they were signed by Jordan. I mean, who the hell has that many Michael Jordan autographed items at their table sure. at a show? And the only answer should be Upper Deck Authenticated because they are the ones who sell signed Jordan memorabilia. So the fact that this guy had all this fake Jordan stuff and they arrested him at the show. And I guess what they told me is that he saw the police at his table and he ran, but he ran into the bathroom. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> one way in and one way out, one way in and one way out. Right. So that was, um, that was, uh, the end of that. So I, I think about that and I'm like, yeah, I mean, if it's somebody selling Gretzky autographs, I'm going to be very curious, you know, unless it's like something that came from a pack of cards, I'm going to well, be very curious about that. And, you know, it wasn't at the, it wasn't at the national, but. I think one of the Chicago shows years ago, there was a guy that had a table full of, um, I could only imagine, you know, like basically through the mail autographs. Yep. Or they would have been in person. And there was like a whole box of hockey ones. And, you know, I sifted through it and I looked at a lot of them. And, you know, there were a lot that were signed with ballpoint pen or felt tip pens, not Sharpies. And it's like, you know, in the last probably 10 years, Sharpie has pretty much been what the go-to for what most right. people use right. to sign on cards. So the fact that a lot of these are signed with ballpoint pen, they, they may be legit. I don't know. But they were he was selling them for cheap, two, three mm -hmm. bucks a piece. He had a thing of pucks. And the, all these pucks were signed, and they were five bucks each. And there was a Marc Messier signed one in there. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Marc Messier... For five bucks? No way. And I looked mm -hmm. at this thing and I stared at this thing for, I don't know, 10 minutes. And I knew I have seen Marc Messier's autograph before. And something wasn't sitting right about this one. Because anytime I've ever seen Messier sign, he signs his name together. Mm -hmm. And there's a big M. And there's another big M. But it's kind of intermixed. So the first one's distinguished. The second one's kind of mixed into the little fluff. As it goes across. But this was distinct. Mark Messi. Like it, you could read it. Mm -hmm. And I just kept looking at this thing going. Something is just not right about this. And I, don't, I didn't buy it. I left it there. But you know. If it was legit. Well I made the worst 
deal by walking away from it. But there's no way I could have trusted it. There isn't. None in the world. You know, I got one more story I'd like to share about uh, an autograph. It's funny that you said signed in ballpoint pen and uh, hockey autographs. So I was at a show in 1990. Because I'm the king of segues. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was at a show in 1990 with my mother because I was like 15. And this guy had books and books and books of cards that were signed. And, you know, he had a lot of Blackhawks. And I knew at the time, I knew what Keith Brown's autograph looked like. I knew what Steve Conroy's autograph looked like. I knew, like, a lot of these guys because I had gotten their autographs in person a few times. So, you know, I was kind of looking. And then a lot of the autographs were, like, personalized to Tony, to Tony, to Tony, right? And a forger wouldn't really forge a name to it. You know what I mean? They would keep it just, you know. Yeah, unless you're Tony, you're not going to buy that. Right. So I say to the guy, how much are these cards? And he says, oh, they're $4 each. My mom's like, $4 each? That's a lot of money. And I kind of give my mom like a little like a little tap under the table with my foot. Like we're standing there. And because I, I, I spotted a 72-73 Marcel Dion Tops card signed in ballpoint pen, neatly signed in ballpoint pen. And I'm like, that is a nice thinking. That is a nice card. And my mom's like, okay. You can buy one. So I grabbed the Marcel Dion card and paid $4 for it and kept it all these years. Okay, fine. So as far as I knew, it was signed by Marcel Dion probably back in the 70s or 80s because it was in ballpoint pen. So many years later, I see Marcel Dion at a show. I'm getting things signed by him. A couple different things signed. I show him the card that I bought back in 1990. And I'm like, Mr. Dion... I bought this card back in 1990. I was like 15 years old. I was really excited when I bought it. I've had it all these years. Can you tell me, is that your autograph? And he takes it out of the holder and he looks at it and he goes, no, that's, that's my wife's autograph. And I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, she used to answer my mail. If I had to answer all my mail myself, it would have taken me forever. You know, it would have taken me over two years to get back to somebody. So his wife used to answer his mail. So then. He puts the card down on the table, he grabs a marker, and then he signs it in Sharpie marker. So I now have a Marcel Dion card that is signed by him and signed by his wife. And what was funny is when he signed that, he said to me as he handed the card back to me, her signature is worth more than my signature. And so I think that is a great <laughs> story. It was worth $4 and 30-year wait to, to find the truth behind it. I'm not mad about it. I think it's actually kind of funny that his wife used to answer his mail. And that's a great story. But, you know, at the time, being 15 years old and looking at the other autographs that the guys had, the guy had, and some were uh, personalized and some were of players that I recognized their, their signature from. But Marcel Dion, I had no idea what his autograph looked like. And now I do. And I know what his wife's autograph looks like, too. And... It's funny you say that, and you add the story about it, and it's very anecdotal, and it's an entertaining story, and it's awesome. But there's so many cases that are similar to that. I mean, look at how many players over the years had their wives or their agents or, you know, son, daughter, servant, whoever, sign for them, or, you know, ghostwriters, or, you know, the whole rampant auto pens that have been out there. Tim, right? do you have an, do you have another story? Maybe not even hockey related, just any, any sport. 
Yeah, definitely. It wasn't hockey related, but uh, um, so baseball, uh, there are a ton and ton of baseball players, both past and present, that have been accused of using auto pens or go signers uh, or using stamps, especially on through the mail and various things. But one player in particular, and I don't know if you remember but not, or not, but an old pitcher for the Pirates named John Smiley. Mm-hmm. Um, John Smiley um, actually later on in his career admitted that pretty much anybody that sends him anything through the mail um, are are not legit, right? Okay. Um, somebody else signs for him or or whatever. So I had three John Smiley cards on card signed by John Smiley. Mm -hmm. I know they're designed by John Smiley because I was there when I got them signed. Okay. And I had these cards for years and I had a, um, I had another collector some years later after all of this had come out, um, basically get into a very heated argument with me about how they were fake and mm-hmm. it was impossible that they could have been real. Mm-hmm. And the story I said was made up because there's no way he ever signed anything in person. And <clears throat> I know because I was there, mm-hmm. there were, there were other kids there that could verify as well. If I could find them and knew where they existed nowadays, mm-hmm. but I, I physically know that he signed and I got, him to sign i got sid bream's autograph at the same time um he was there also signing and i had him sign he used to sign bible scriptures with all of his signatures so (laughs) and that's you know that's just something there but here's the very thing i was there i got it signed but because of what happened later on in his career and the fact that he admitted that he didn't sign anything so unless you got something early on in his career signed by him it was pretty much not going to be real from that point forward. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other players like that, like uh, Tom Glavin's another big one. John Smoltz is another one. Seems like a lot of pitchers. I mean, there was the longest time, and I don't know if he does this anymore, but Nolan Ryan used to be one that if you sent him something through the mail and you got it back signed, it was fake unless you sent him a donation. Oh, if okay. you sent him a donation, it was real. But if you didn't send him a donation, it was fake. By donate donation, do you mean like a twenty dollar bill, or do you mean like an actual check to like a charity? I, I don't, I can't speak to that because I never actually attempted to do that. I was never big in the through the mail kind of thing, so that wasn't my bag. So. Yeah, well, I think one thing that's nice though is, at least as far as being a hockey collector, is that um, when I used to do through the mail autographs, um, I had a really high success rate with hockey players, and I would argue that the likelihood of the fakes is way 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 less than with baseball like with baseball those players get so much mail and i think with like football those players probably get a lot more mail and i think with basketball i think like a lot of the players maybe feel a little entitled and don't want to sign anything i'm sure there are players who sign and do nice stuff but i would think that a lot of them would just be like nah you know i'm making 20 million dollars a year why do i want to sign this kid's card right you know what i mean like who cares right and um 
Well, and I've always been willing to have the argument with anybody that hockey players are way more accessible to their fans than other sports players. Well, that's because at like 15 or 16 years old, they're riding buses and playing junior hockey, most of them, or the ones that like matured later on in their hockey careers, like somebody like, say, like a Jonathan Taves who played like college hockey, you know, um, or like um, trying to think of another example, even like a Keith Kachuk who played like college hockey. You know what I mean? Like those guys, I mean, they're they're humbled. They're humbled by just the experiences that they've had before they made it to the NHL. So, uh, yeah, they're they're a lot more. They're grounded uh, and they don't forget where they came from. They're grounded. They don't forget where they came from and they're always happy to give back. And then a lot of them even just have like their own experiences. I mean, Jeremy Roenick talks about like how he remembers meeting Gordie Howe and just what a big deal it was. Like it wasn't even like. Uh, meeting, it was like, I, I don't know if he was like, he said he was at a game, this was in his book, he was in a game, and he was up against the glass, and he was trying to get Gordie Howe's attention, and Gordie Howe, like, took his stick, and he, like, scooped, like, a shovel full of, like, the ice shavings, and he tossed it over the glass onto Ronick, and he was, like, you know, like, five or ten, and he was, like, surprised that his jaw dropped open, and then Gordie just looked him in the eye and winked and smiled, and then Ronick knew, okay, he acknowledges me and he just thought that was the coolest thing. He calls it his Gordie Howe moment, right? Where like, he just made that, you know, like he knew that Gordie was just messing with him and it, you know, he was, and he just thought that was the coolest thing. And, um, and he so, said, one day I'm going to be a hockey player. And right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and so, uh, I think that's what, um, I, I, I think that's one reason why is because even like the older generation of hockey players were, nicer to the the younger generation who came in and eventually became NHLers. So I I think that is nice that, um, uh, you know, I did, I did actually get, um, funny that you mentioned this many years ago, I wrote to Wayne Gretzky, uh, when he was with the Blues. Okay. So that's that's whale hunting right there. Well, okay. Well, hold on. I knew never to write to him when he was with the Kings because I just knew he was going to get a mountain of mail. And then if he did answer his fan mail, my letter would take forever to get answered right but when he got the day he got traded to the blues like that night i wrote a fan letter and i sent it to the blues because i figured hey the mountain of mail has going to be packed up and forgotten about and now any mail that he gets to uh, gets in st louis is going to be like you know just come to him right away and then he'll just you know hopefully maybe he'll get his attention you know what i mean because that'll be like a new batch of mail so the, the logic makes sense. Well, I did get a response and it was probably like two months later. It was probably after the season wrapped up. Could have been sooner than that. I'm not sure. But it was pretty darn quick. Only one card was signed. It was okay. It was the All-Star 1991, or sorry, it was the 91-92 Pro Set All-Star card from the 1991 All-Star game that was in Chicago Stadium. I went to that game, so I wanted to get all of those All-Star cards signed. So I was really happy that that was the one that he chose to sign. Well, he didn't really sign it. It was an auto pen. At the time, I didn't realize this because auto pen was not part of my language. It was not something I would have understood. What was funny was many years later, on eBay, somebody was selling a card signed by Wayne Gretzky. And... The reason why nobody bid on it against me was because the seller misspelled Gretzky. I only happened to just stumble on the card by sheer luck, probably because I was looking at another item that he had. And so 
I end up getting this card for something ridiculous, like a dollar or five dollars, right? Whatever. I'm like, eh, might be legit, might not, but I'll take that chance, right? Well, here's the thing. It was an auto pen. It was the exact same auto pen. The signature was identical to the one on the card that I got signed back in 96. So I was just like, okay, well, now I have two fake autographs of Gretzky, and that's fine because whatever. I mean, one I wrote and he didn't sign it, and this other one I paid like next to nothing for. But it was actually just more kind of cool to see that like just this identical autograph on these two things. And I just know, okay, yep. I know for a fact that this is not real. It took that, that long in between, but you figured out that, Hey, wait a minute. Something's not right here. <laughs> Cause, yeah. it, Cause it's doubled up. Yeah. It's yeah. I think I scanned them both in Photoshop and then I like laid one on top, layered one on top of the other one so that I could like actually just get the autograph to match perfectly. And it did. I mean, same size, same everything you know so it was it was pretty pretty funny but yeah um i i don't expect that you know didn't really expect i mean i understand and now if you want to get something signed by gretzky he only signs through upper deck authenticated so um that's where you would buy something i guess if you want to shell out a lot of coin for a uh signed puck or signed stick or signed poster yeah yeah uh coincidentally i did i did actually end up getting gretzky's autograph for real many years later uh at a raffle uh that upper deck was running at the uh national and i won a big you got got that gigantic card didn't you yeah it was a big it was a big wayne gretzky card signed in blue sharpie so i know that's legit um and that's probably the only gretzky autograph i'll ever need i pulled the one out of masterpieces a few years ago that and the Bobby Orr that I pulled out of MVP were my two crowning achievements. Out of MVP, wow. Yeah, it was one of those uh, NHL Territories cards. Yep. And they had the rare versions that were actually autographed. I got the we got pulled the Bobby Orr. So. Well, this has been a fun little conversation about um, about autograph collecting, and if you buy uh, in person autographs, it definitely um, has. I think the moral of the story is just be careful. Yeah, if you have an autograph story you'd like to share, you could find us on Twitter. You could find me at Puck Junk. You could find Tim at The Real DFG. In a minute, we're going to be joined by Chris Carlin of Upper Deck, who's going to tell us about the new Upper Deck Singles Day promotion. I am now joined by Chris Carlin of Upper Deck. Chris, I keep forgetting what your job title is because it's like, two sentences long uh, what yeah, is, with upper deck? i'm the i'm currently the senior manager of customer experience oh okay yeah that's that's shorter and sweet and to the point so thank you for joining us today i'm excited about this new well i guess it's not really a new upper deck promotion but it's new to me because i w- have not been aware of this before upper deck singles day now is this for like card collectors who are not in a relationship they're single they can meet other card collectors is that the idea of yeah the- yeah if it's your relationship is complicated no um singles <laughs> day is actually a huge huge promotion uh that a company called alibaba runs which is basically the chinese amazon it's just an early shopping day it's kind of like the the black friday for china it's there's a huge amount of commerce that's done and as we're moving to to become more of a uh, an international player uh, we we just love the 
the sound of Singles Day, you know, from our industry standpoint. Mm -hmm. uh, so we wanted to grab it and uh, plant our, our flag in there and, and run a fun promotion uh, around Singles Day. And that's really what we did last year. We created these kits and, and pretty much every manufacturer has a, a holiday type of promotion. Uh, what I like about this one is it's uh, a little earlier and it's a pretty cool set. Uh, this year, the, there's going to be a 20-card set. You've got Michael Jordan, Patrick Waugh, Lexi Lafreniere, Wayne Gretzky, LeBron James, Serena Williams, Ben Simmons, Tiger Woods, Nathan McKinnon, Steven Stamkos, Jack Eichel, Carey Price, Johnny Gaudreau, Elias Pedersen, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, Philip Zazina, Patrick Kane, and John Tavares all rounding out the set. So just a lot of superstar power, and it's a, a fun set to put together. But really why we run this promotion is to give people a, a real easy way to complete a bounty program. Uh, our bounty programs, we've been running a, a couple years now, and it basically is designed to get people to do something that they don't do so much anymore, collect sets. And, you know, people are always looking for, hey, what's my hit or things along those lines. Well, one of the learnings that we had from EPAC is that people will collect sets if you give them some type of achievement or reward. And that's exactly what the bounty program does. It, but the problem is most bounties are pretty hard to complete. What I like about Singles Day is, you know, you just need a few different uh, packs and you should be able to complete a set. And each card has codes on the back for the base set. Um, you could redeem them online starting on 1111 at UpperDeckBounty.com, and it's probably the easiest bounty you could ever take part in. There are some really cool parallel sets and parallel cards that you could score by, you know, being one of the first 135 to get in there, but there are some big, big autograph cards, numbered to just three copies. There is a Patrick Wall, Wayne Gretzky, number to three. There's a Tiger Woods, Serena Williams, number to three. There's a Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby number to three. And I think that's one of the first times those two have ever signed together. Are these found in packs or these are some of the bounty rewards? These are some of the bounty rewards. Gotcha. So the main insert in the packs is a, is a parallel number to 25. I believe those are the Winter Frost cards. Mm -hmm. uh, but the real fun happens when you are on UpperDeckBounty.com on 11.11. Uh, the bounty goes live at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, enter those codes and uh, and uh, have some fun. Uh, also on Monday, you want to be following Upper Deck on uh, at Upper Deck Sports and at Upper Deck Hockey on Twitter. We're going to be running a variety of Singles Day uh, social media giveaways uh, where you could score some memorabilia or some uh, boxes of trading cards as well. So it should be really fun. So when is the Singles Day then? The as far as like the day that the the packs are going to be given away. They'll start being given away on 1110. 1111 mm -hmm. uh, is traditionally 1-1-1-1 is uh, traditionally Singles Day. Makes uh, sense. So that's when our uh, promotion for the uh, social media contest and the Upper Deck Bounty program will start. And I believe besides the autograph cards as, in, as a bounty incentive, was there also some sort of a parallel set that was being given away um, as part of the bounty program this year? Yeah, there are a few different levels of uh, parallels. So uh, there's gold parallels, there's autograph parallels, there's uh, UDA autograph pieces that can be scored. So there's a lot of value and fun that comes from, from this simple 20-card set, right? So it can be a little tricky if, you gotta, if, if only you know, 
if you only have one shop in the area that has these packs, it can be a little tricky to put together the set. But you want to try to have that that set ready to go that Monday. We'll take them until the following Friday, but it uh, it usually fills up pretty quick. People people are pretty good about putting their sets together, going to different shops, trading with other collectors, and getting it done. Now these packs are available if you make a purchase, correct? Correct. So yeah. if if the dealer wants to, like if you make several purchases, they're at their discretion if they want to give you like more than one pack. If you like, you said it was every like for a ten dollar purchase. Yes, so it, it is at the dealer's discretion, but uh, most play it pretty safe, and they'll go with the old, uh, you know, first people here, first ones that get it. So Right. Don't want to run out right away. Yeah, yeah, it totally makes sense. Do you know how many cards are per pack? Uh, three cards per pack. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's going to take you... you see, 18, it's about seven or eight packs if, if the collation is... Is, the collation is about right, yeah. It's about right, yeah. Okay, so it's a little bit of a challenge, but not impossible. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, like, I mean, even like some shops with Hockey Card Day, they don't run out the first day, especially in the United States. I know in Canada, it's like way more popular in some states and some shops. They'll have them like maybe that Sunday or Monday, and then they'll just continue the program, you know, the free pack or whatever with the purchase or whatever. So, I mean, it is it's it is definitely doable you know, 20 cards, it's not like 100 cards, that would be, uh, that would be the Tim Horton set, right? Aren't those yes. uh, three cards, uh, three cards per pack? And then I wanted to ask you, so 20 cards and starts gives away on 11.10 and then on 11.11 is when the website is going to start accepting those bounties. So Correct. And so each of the bounties are rewarded randomly. So the full period, we have to get through that first week and then on your uh, individual account, you'll see, did I, okay, I scored the green parallel set number to 99 or the silver parallel set number to 25 or uh, the version number to 10 or the version number to one or some of those really cool double autograph cards I talked about. And it's worthy to note there's a separate promotion for China as well. Uh, so they have their own bounty. So you might see some interesting cards if you collect internationally or have some buddies over in collecting buddies over in China we have a, a, a similar but a, a little bit different promotion running through them so look out for some of the action on those as well so my question is because it's always a concern whenever you have something happen on a website a couple of weeks ago uh, another card company they were selling these packs of cards and their website crashed or their website was running really slow and my co-host tim he was trying to order these packs and it kept timing out it kept telling him that he had to remove items from his cart it didn't work and it's the same thing like when you try to get like say sports tickets and you go online and then you're trying to order the tickets and then all of a sudden it becomes really slow because you have thousands of people trying to do something at the same time so if yeah, i'm a diehard totally. it's, it's collector, one of those fun ones where it's like gosh the internet's supposed to make things easier right and, and all of a sudden you know it uh, just makes for an even worse customer experience we had a little learning pains with that last year there was a, a period where people were having some trouble getting on but uh, we've done a lot of stress testing since then and uh, uh worked with our partners to make sure that the site can handle the traffic that we expect um, so, it's always possible, possibilities that it could be more than we anticipate, but uh, we know how many cards we're making. We know how many uh, sets are capable of. So uh, I feel good that there shouldn't be a negative experience with this. So when people log on 
the uh, I assume they have to register for an account before they can enter in these codes. Yes. And then do they have to enter in, they'll have to enter in the codes on all 20 cards? Correct. And then after then they'll know eventually what reward they received, right? Is that how Correct. it works? Okay. They'll know uh, that they're one of the top 135 to get in there and then they will uh, uh, after the promotion ends we distribute the cards in a random fashion. We didn't want it to be a race, you know, right. where the first person who gets it in uh, has, you know, gets the one of one set or gets the Tiger Serena card because, you know, it's just that it's about who could type the quickest. We really wanted it to be kind of a fair and random uh, type of program. And really, again, just to give everyone the benefit of seeing what the Upper Deck Bounty website is all about and how the program really works. That sounds cool. I know you haven't announced anything about this yet, but can we expect uh, Hockey Card Day maybe? next year as well absolutely that's been uh one of our most successful promotions uh we have uh, solicited it to hobby shops um and it will take place on the same day as the stadium series so uh we'll do activations there uh uh it should be really cool that it's in colorado at the uh air force academy so that'll be a really cool event but yeah it's a that's a fun day we used to run it on actual hockey day in canada Mm-hmm. And what we found was because they have all day hockey games going on, it was hard for people to get out and visit those shops because they wanted to watch hockey. Right. And uh, it's also a little colder then. So we, we moved it back just a couple of weeks to allow for hopefully some better ways to get out into shops. We had we had situations in the past. If it's in early February, that uh, it's just too hard late January for people to get out and get to uh, shops based on weather. So uh, by moving it back to the same day as the stadium series, Usually it's uh, weather's a little bit better, knock on wood. So uh, that one will be coming back. And then, man, we've got uh, the release of the Young Guns coming this week for Upper Deck mm-hmm. Series 1, which everyone is just very fired up about. I'm excited about. I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to share this, but I will because it's coming this week. Uh, we uh, did a massive buyback program where for Upper Deck Series 1 and Series 2, this is the, the 30th consecutive year of Upper Deck producing uh, uh, this trading card set. So we bought back every base card and Young Guns card uh, from the last 30 years. Each of those is being marked as one of one. So the first 15 years will come in Upper Deck Series 1, and the second 15 years will come in Upper Deck Series 2. So uh, that's a pretty cool and unique type of promotion uh, that I think people will be pretty excited about when they're opening packs to kind of get a feel for the history of, of everything that we've done over the last 30 years with uh, with this release. Um, are those buybacks signed or unsigned? They're unsigned, but they are stamped uh, with 30th anniversary and a one-of-one uh, one marking. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So, yeah. uh, Chris, before I let you go, again, what's that uh, website address that people can go to if they want to find a retailer near them who's participating in the Singles Day promotion uh, this weekend? That is upperdeck.com slash singles day. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for your time. And I uh, hope we can talk to you again sometime in the future. Yeah, looking forward to it. And it uh, should be a lot of fun. We've got uh, Fall Expo coming up in a couple of weeks. We've got uh, Western uh, Canada Collecting Show coming up in Langley, Vancouver at the end of this month. So uh, lots of fun things going on. Global Series this week. Uh, so lots of uh, lots of great hockey action and hockey collecting action as well. So looking forward to it, and uh, make sure you visit your shops on Singles Day. 
I'd like to thank Chris Carlin from Upper Deck for joining us today. I'd also like to thank my co-host, Tim Parrish, and I'd like to thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to it, and if you've really enjoyed this podcast, consider buying a t-shirt at shop.pubjunk.com. Until next week, I'm Sal Barry, and thank you again for listening. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.